Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 14 of Pigskins and Nylon. I'm Wally Lukashinsky, and I'm joined once again by my great friends and co-hosts, Casey Mock and Hayden Ramsey. we got another fun show lined up for you guys today, but first, let's say hello to the boys. Hayden, Casey, what's up, fellas? Man, all is well over here. Uh, had a had a pretty nice weekend. I didn't have to work too much. I was able to hang out with uh, one of our listeners, Dylan Canine, over the weekend. Shout out to Dylan. Had a late night, Saturday night. But some sad news. I Tomorrow's my last day at my job that I'm at now. I start my new one on Monday. I stay sad because I was talking with one of my coworkers the other day. I was like, man, I don't. I don't know if there's ever been a job that like I didn't want to leave before, you know, but you know, this is, this is the first one probably, but you know, on to uh, a better opportunity. I think other than that, man, football's going great. We had a pretty good day of practice yesterday. The Mets lost four or five to the Braves. So I'm kind of down about that. I haven't really made a splash in trades yet either. So pretty disappointing. Other than that, I'm great, fellas. Nice to see you. Kind of similar to Casey, a nice little relaxing weekend, which I needed the most. Been super busy lately with football, and school's getting ready to start, so I'm getting a little bit prepared for that. All about educating the youth, man. So, Wally, how are you, buddy? I'm doing all right, Casey. Looking forward to hearing about your new job. Sorry you do have to leave that other one, though. But for me, I actually have a little bit of a busy weekend, kind of contrary to you, Hayden. I've got my first of three weddings I'm in here in the next couple months. So we're going to do that. It's going to be a fun weekend. Looking forward to seeing a real close buddy of mine get married. It'll be great. But outside of that, I know we're all baseball fans here. How crazy is what Joey Votto doing right now? For If you guys haven't seen at home at this point, he's hit eight home runs in his last six games. Six straight games with the home run. It's the first time in Reds history. Creeping up on an MLB record, too, I'm pretty sure. But, yeah, it's just banana lands. Guy's 37 years old. Yeah, that's crazy. A lot of the the radio guys down here are going bananas about what he's doing right now. But I, I think the Reds are out of the playoffs right now, aren't they? Weren't they struggling a little bit out of the gate after the All-Star break, I believe? Yeah, they're like seven or eight out. They have deep bullpen problems that they just addressed through the deadline brought in three arms but you just have to wonder now if they're going to run out of runway I mean that's a lot of games to make up in a couple months Hayden are you excited about yes. the Braves I'm not you know by the time I get excited about them they'll go on a five game losing streak and everything will be erased so I can't get by I'm kind of like Wally like I I, I kind of like piques my interest I get a little excited and then they just lose five in a row. So I'm not I'm not getting overly hyped, but who knows? I mean, it, that division is going to come down to literally who wins the division. There's no wild card coming out of that that division, I don't think. So Oh, they're all going to come out of the West, aren't they? Dodgers and Padres? Or how many wild card teams are there? I don't even know. All I know is that, like, only the Mets are above 500 in the NL East, so. Yes, sir. <laughs> There's only the two, so you have the wild card games, and most likely the NL West will have three playoff teams unless someone gets crazy hot down the stretch to answer your question, Casey. But but I'm actually really excited about our Big Ten Big Five today. We got most intriguing storylines. I don't know if you guys decide to do just football. I did personally. 
I figure we'll probably have something similar like this closer to basketball season. Who wants to take it away first? We'll probably have a couple runovers. So if that's the case, if you have something else to add, great. Otherwise, keep it short and sweet for those. I'll volunteer myself to go first. And I kind of pose mine in like question formats. You don't, I don't expect you guys to answer them, but just things to think about as we move forward. With football season starting here real soon, so I'll start at number five. I'll go five through one, and then I do have two runner-ups, I guess, that I wanted to touch on. Number five is like the newer coaches in the Big Ten. Brett Bielema, Illinois, Shiano at Rutgers, and Mel Tucker at Michigan State. Interested to see if they can build any momentum or anything like that to kind of you know, kickstart their programs and get get them moving in a positive direction. I know Mel Tucker's hit the transfer portal really, really hard, trying to bring in some guys. And Greg Schiano's been recruiting his ass off. So shout out to him. I'm interested to see how Bielema does at Illinois and what they look like this year. My number four, and we've talked about this guy a decent amount, is Graham Mertz. And specifically, is is he who... I put we, but I guess I think he is. And if he can finally be the the Wisconsin quarterback that kind of gets them over the hump. And I think this is a big year. You know, last year he started off real hot, but it was a you know a strange year. Getting a, a hopefully a full year under his belt with like a true offseason, I think could be big for him. So is he who we think he is and how does that impact Wisconsin? Next one was, it's about Penn State. How does Penn State bounce back after a tough last last year? Last year, I just talked about it before, it was so strange that I, I, I don't want to toss it you know, in the trash, but I'm not going to put a huge amount of weight into last season. Just with how things were, I think it was bizarre, something we've never experienced before. And just how they're going to bounce back. And I do think that they can... Bounce back and be pretty good this year. I think they can be good. I don't. I don't think they're necessarily going to challenge Ohio State to win the the East, but they can definitely bounce back way better than than what last season showed. Number two, I'm always keeping my eye on the team up north. All their coaching changes they made, you know, new guys all over the place. How they're recruiting, and more specifically, how that QB situation plays out. It seems like they got a couple guys up there battling for the spot. And I think Jim Harbaugh said that McNamara was ahead or was the number one quarterback going into fall camp. I think he said that at Big Ten Media Days. So inter- interested to see how that changes. And I'll tell you what, my opinion, I would start the young guy, man. I would start him and ride with him. First of all, because that means you're going to get at least three years out of him, maybe probably four. And even if he's not great this year, and maybe he does lose you a couple of games just because of the growing pains, I, I think that gives Jim Harbaugh a little bit of a cover, doesn't it? I, saying, oh, yeah, well, we're starting a, a freshman quarterback. He's going to make mistakes. But in two years, next year, it, that can pay off a lot. So I'm interested to see how how that situation works itself out. And then lastly... And I think this is, I mean, huge for the whole conference. Ohio State's quarterback situation. Who's going to start there? They're going to be good, no matter who it is. Uh, let's be honest. But if it can take them from, 
really good to that elite level of competing for a championship. We'll see. Also, I, I think maybe we'll talk about this later, the potential of adding Quinn Ewers into reclassifying into the 21 class and him being at camp next week is something to keep an eye on. Runners up real quick. Number six, I had expectations for Nebraska. We talked about Scott Frost a little bit and what their season looks like. Tough schedule, but if he should be on the hot seat or not. And then to go along with that, how does the Big Ten West kind of shake up here? Wisconsin is usually the traditional team to come out of the West, but I've I think we all do actually big expectations for Iowa this year. So how that, how they play into that equation. Yes, sir. Hey, that was, that was a pretty good list. We have a few that kind of are pretty similar here, but I'll just start with my list real quick. Number five, I have, I, and I kind of did it the same way you did asking questions. You don't really have to answer if you, if you don't want to. Number five, who does the big 10 conference reach out to for conference expansion? I think that thing is going to really gain some steam here within the next year, I would say, who are they going to bring in that really makes a splash? I think they need a brand name, Notre Dame, USC, Oregon. If they can reach out to any ACC teams, try to make a little super conference, I think that should be and is probably the plan. As you know, since basically the SEC is basically becoming a super conference now. Number four, I have who surprises us. It feels like every year there's somebody in the Big Ten that, you know, has a better year than what we expected. Uh, Last year, Indiana surprised us by winning some big games and being very competitive with Ohio State. So my big intriguing storyline is is who's going to be that team this year. Number three, I have can Mertz, Penix, Morgan, Clifford take the next step forward and lead their team to a Big Ten championship. I single out those four because I think those four, I guess, have have the best shot, I, I would say. They have the most talent in terms of being the quarterback. With Mertz and Morgan, they have shown flashes, in my opinion. Two years ago, Minnesota was really good with Tanner Morgan being their quarterback. If he can get back to that old form, if Minnesota can get back to that form, I think they have a really good shot at winning the West. And then Mertz, obviously, we saw flashes with him last year. And Wisconsin is usually always the better team out in the West, I would say. And then Penix and Clifford, I just think Indiana and Penn State are going to be the second and third best teams in the East. And if, you know, Penix takes a big step forward, gets that completion percentage higher, like I talked about a few episodes ago, Indiana could be really dangerous again. And then Clifford, I think Penn State has the second most talented team in the conference. And they've always really kind of lack that elite quarterback play, especially after McSorley left. I don't think McSorley was elite or anything, but he was he was good, I would say. But really looking forward to see if either one of those four quarterbacks can take a next step forward. Number two, who wins the Big Ten West? I think that's going to be really, really fun. I'm high on Iowa, but I can't rule out Wisconsin or Northwestern because they've been there, you know, the past three or four years. And then even um, – Minnesota, obviously, they have a tough task week one. But even with one loss, that doesn't necessarily rule them out. And then number one, I have starting quarterback competitions at Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. All three teams are at different levels. I think, Hayden, you, you, I mean, you hit it right. Oh, no matter who starts at Ohio State is going to be good. Will they be Justin Fields good? 
that that's going to be very tough. So your question as to if they can raise the play to, you know, championship level, like winning the championship level, I think that has more to do with the surrounding cast than it does the quarterback because I think you had statistically one of the best quarterbacks in Big Ten history through that two-year span, and you didn't win it all. So I think it's more of a collective group, whereas at Michigan, man, the Michigan and Michigan State, let's say, their quarterback has to play at a high level for them to get to eight, nine wins this year. So, yeah, those were my five most intriguing storylines heading into the football season. You guys both did a great job with those. I'm not going to really have to harp on about mine too much because, again, most of them overlap. And I guess we probably could have expected that because they are the most intriguing storylines. But anyways, I'll get my Ohio State one out of the way first and make this easier after that. But one that was a little different than you guys, can anyone threaten Ohio State's 21 in-conference winning streak? The last loss for Ohio State in the conference was all the way back in 2018 at Purdue. And we were watching that game together. That was the infamous, I tried to ruin Lauren's car night. But I just, it's kind of weird when you start talking, even with the pandemic in a shortened season, when you have a team that's entering three calendar years since their last conference loss, it's something I want to keep an eye on. But then after that, one that you guys were already talking about, just a little different. Can anyone in the Big Ten West make it a three-horse race? We know it's Iowa. We know it's Wisconsin. But can Northwestern, can Minnesota, can one of these teams, like you said, can Tanner Morgan get back to what he was in 2019 form, potentially make it a little bit of a competition there in November? Because I think right now, you, the three of us, we're kind of thinking that it's just going to come down to that Iowa-Wisconsin matchup at Camp Randall later in the season. And then my number three, will Rutgers start to show the progress on the field that we're seeing off the field? They're getting a lot of momentum. We're going to start seeing a little bit of these young guys, a little bit early, but we're going to start seeing them play a little bit, starting to get in a rotation. We even saw last year how hard that Rutgers team was playing for Shiano. Looked like they were having a lot of fun. Just going back to that Ohio State game, you don't typically think of a team that's down by four or five scores calling, what, trick plays every other play just to kind of shake things up and add a little flavor, get a little momentum for the team. And they scored, I want to say, three or four touchdowns in the second half against Ohio State, and most of those came off of the back of these trick plays. A lot of fun and excitement there in Piscataway. Hopefully they can keep it going. The number two, can Brett Bielma do what no Illinois coach has done since Ron Zook, and that's make Illinois presentable? They have only had two bowl game appearances in the past decade. In both of those seasons, they were 6-6 six and six entering the bowl game. They We give Rutgers a hard time, but for whatever reason, I feel like Illinois, it's like they're a different kind of sad where it's boring sad, where Rutgers was fun pathetic for a long time. I, I just really kind of miss that idea of Illinois at least being a tough out. Because outside of that, what, Wisconsin going to Champaign two or three years ago and getting upset, Illinois really hasn't been a threat to anybody in the Big Ten except maybe Nebraska for whatever reason. Those two teams give each other fits. But yeah, so I want to see if Bielma can do anything there. And then last but not least, Graham Mertz. Just plain and simple, Graham Mertz. We know what the expectations are we know what the Wisconsin faithful believe that this kid is 
what he can do for that team. If it's the truth, if he ends up playing to the the level that people thought he could even a couple years ago, I mean, they could compete any even Saturday with anyone in the country. They're a very well-coached team, not necessarily the fastest group, but with a guy like Graham Mertz, if he can play at a high level, they belong on the football field with anyone in the country. And if he doesn't do it, then who knows? We might be talking about Casey's adopted for a year Iowa Hawkeyes visiting Indianapolis for a Big Ten championship. So that's my five. Nothing too crazy. Anybody have any thoughts on any of the three of ours? And then I guess we'll move right on to our topics. I have something. So, uh, Wally, you were saying that you think your big thing is if Penn State can can get back to competing with Ohio State. Is that what you were saying? Or was Uh, that Hayden? That had to be Hayden. Yeah, that had to have been Hayden. Talking about Clifford, right? Because I think that's where that came I, from. I, I was to have a response. Uh, I was talking about Clifford. Someone mentioned something about Penn State. Anyway, I I personally think that this Penn State team is, is going to be Ohio State's biggest threat throughout the entire conference. You know, I think Indiana will be good, but I think they take a step back, eight and four, maybe nine and three ish, whatever. But I, man, I I don't know what it is. I just have a feeling that this Penn State team is going to be really, really good. I, I think for them, it's it's all going to depend on their quarterback play. I mean, Clifford had a tough last season. That can be, you know, due to many, you know, a lot of things. But if he can, like you said, take a step forward, that's huge for Penn State's chances. They, they have decent enough talent that they can compete with anybody in the conference. It's just all a matter of putting it together. No, yeah, I, I do think that Penn State – is and probably will be Ohio State's biggest threat and obstacle for the next couple of years, at least. They have been for probably, we'd say, since what, the 2016 Michigan team, Penn State realistically has been the best team that Ohio State has to worry about. Ironic, like Ohio State fans, myself included, you're a little bummed out you don't get to host Michigan for what, it's four years by the end of it when you consider you're in Michigan, you're off Michigan, then you're back. But then you also get the benefit is you don't have to actually have a true whiteout in that same period of time. So luckily for Ohio State fans, you get to host Penn State this year. Never an easy game. I mean, we know that very well. I mean, this Saquon Barkley game stands out top of the head where every time Penn State goes to Columbus, it's not an easy win. But at the end of the day, you'd rather be playing in front of 105,000 screaming Scarlet and Gray fans than 110,000 all-in-white Penn State fans. So I do think that it's awesome that we get to talk about fans having an impact on games again because I really do think that's a huge advantage for Ohio State that likely their biggest two games in a regular season are both at home. Yeah, I completely agree with that, Wally. And did news drop within the past week that Auburn is going to be Penn State's like all-whiteout game? Did you guys see that? No, I hadn't I'm, seen that. No. Yeah, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure I saw it on Twitter that Auburn is going to be the all whiteout game, and then the Michigan game is going to be like student whiteout or something. So I'm sure that you know they're probably just going to have two whiteout games. But yeah, someone quote tweeted it or something and was like, I don't think Auburn's ready for that whiteout in Big Ten country or something like that. I thought it was pretty cool. Hopefully they show up and play well, man. That being Penn State, I think that would be a great win for the Big Ten early in the season. Yeah, I I just was going to add real quick. I think that is one of the games that we'll all agree 
that we're going to root for Penn State in that non-conference game. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Br- yeah, just bringing, you know, a team from down south up to Pennsylvania. Shoot, I wish it was. I wish it was at the end of the season. Play a little bit of cold, but, you know, that's – I think if you took a poll of all Big Ten fans that they would be rooting heavily for Penn State in that one. Considering the fact that Penn State doesn't have – a realistic rival and you have teams that like to poke fun at that fact. I really do think you'd have over nine out of 10 big 10 fans pulling for him in that game early in the season with probably the exception of like the big giant former blue bloods. I think you have most people rooting in those non-conference games for the, for the big 10. But what I was going to say is this is one of those rare times where Ohio state Michigan fans are kind of both high fiving and being like, Someone else has to deal with this shit because we're really tired of having to go to the whiteout in the middle of October. And I mean, there's nothing like Beaver Stadium for the whiteout. Go Nittany Lions in that game. Screw War Eagle. And uh, I guess that's a good way to throw us over into our quick recap before we get into our topics. But yeah, I'm sure many of you saw this last week. The NCAA came out and decided and announced that both Reggie Bush in the Tattoo Fives request to have their records reinstated, have awards and accolades, wins reinstated, they had those requests denied. We already discussed this a few weeks ago, the reasoning why. It's obviously the rules were the rules at the time. We already gave our opinion. We know where we stand. It's just it is what it is at this point. So unless you guys have anything else to add, we'll jump into the more pressing stuff today. It's pretty much official now. 2025, Oklahoma and Texas, they're going to the SEC. Part of the reason why that Penn State and Auburn game, you're already getting that little itch too. There almost feels like a civil war between Big Ten and SEC fans right now. Naturally, SEC has the better football product, and there's not really a debate about that, and they're only getting stronger. So what was your guys' initial... We already gave, I guess, our thoughts last week, but now that it's sunk in, and you've kind of got to dissect the news a little bit. What do you think this is going to do for the Big Ten, whether that be in recruiting or their approach in the near future and bringing in other colleges and other programs? Yeah, man, like I mentioned in my Big Ten, Big Five, I really think the Big Ten has to make a splash here with whoever they bring in. And, you know, while Kansas would be a good addition I guess because of their quality of basketball, I I do not think that they would be a top eight school I would want to bring in. I would be reaching out, uh, obviously Notre Dame, but heck, let's go West. Let's get USC. Let's get Oregon. Try for a a Florida State, North Carolina, Clemson. Like, out of all those teams, do you you guys think any of those teams are as big of a brand and as Oklahoma and Texas? Like, is there anybody that the Big Ten can bring in that can really match that level of brand? that Oklahoma and Texas has, maybe Notre Dame, and obviously Clemson would, but I don't think Clemson's very realistic, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that. It wouldn't be necessarily the most realistic thing, but Florida State, because like they just seem like a natural fit for the SEC as well, but Florida State and Notre Dame would be the closest, I think, comparable to Texas and Oklahoma with that long-term success. I know Florida State's really fallen off, but they still have that kind of pedigree. It's similar almost to what, I guess, Michigan has gone through in a way where they're still that big name. It's just things have kind of soured a little bit. They can still get back, and who knows, that could be a big splash. But the other thing I'd say about Kansas, the only thing that you would do 
is that I would argue is that they would say, hey, you guys are the better football conference. No matter what we do, you're going to be. But if we're going to go after Kansas, well, then why not give a call to North Carolina and Duke? Let's make a super basketball conference because Kansas makes a lot of sense to come up there. Imagine a conference with Kansas, Michigan, North Carolina, Duke. And at that point, Kentucky, I mean, they make more sense to me in the Big Ten than it would the SEC all of a sudden. Yeah, I would agree with that because typically Kentucky's not a team in football that's necessarily competing in the SEC. Um, so if the Big Ten were to, you know, get schools like you mentioned to join the Big Ten, it it would really make sense for Kentucky to join too. But I, man, I in just in my opinion, I'd rather them try to make a splash football wise than than basketball. I guess I have differing opinions of both of you i'm not quite sure what what's there why is there the urgency to try and add somebody i don't know if adding anybody from the west coast is really going to make a difference um and i don't think it, it's really going to impact any of the playoff things because if we go to 12 we're probably still going to get two big 10 teams in the playoff anyway well well, right. So but then, I don't understand the the urgency to try and add, try and make some splash and add somebody. Well, because the SEC is already adding teams. You know, Texas, Oklahoma are going to join for four years, right? So yeah, you got to kind of plan and and do things in advance. And what's stopping the SEC right now from going and trying to get a USC and Notre Dame, uh, you know, other blue bloods? and just creating this super conference. And you say it doesn't matter when we go to 12. It does matter because while the Big Ten might get two teams in, the SEC is looking like they're going to get four, five, six teams in. And that's a lot of money going there. And that would be a, a huge disadvantage for the Big Ten, in my opinion. Well, and the other reason I'd add, too, is I, I take it for what it's worth. It's Jack McGuire. But he was reporting last week that the SEC was – aggressively pursuing Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, and Clemson, if they're aggressively pursuing, not even trying to hide it, you know it's not going to stop there. And at some point, if you aren't going to eventually get knocked off like the Big 12, I think you have to be a little aggressive right now. You can't sit back and let it kind of fall to you. You got to go out and get two to four teams here because the SEC isn't done. And then at some point when they get big enough, what are you going to do? I mean, you kind of lose your bargaining power if you are sitting there like the Pac-12 and ACC as well, stuck with 12-ish teams when the SEC inevitably gets up to 16, 18 teams. I think if you go now, you could eventually see a couple super conferences in the Big Ten and the SEC would be the ones to benefit financially from that. So I think that that'll be a real urgent thought now I, I the fact that this was a secret too into so late in the process is remarkable that doesn't happen anymore so this was a cool thing but I think that you'd see them very aggressive here in the next couple of years yeah I hope so but if the if there's one thing that we've learned about Kevin Warren in this short time as the commissioner he's probably going to mess it up and I, I just feel like that or do something like bring in a Gosh, I I can't even think of like a like a Boston College. Like I know you I know you said 
last week that, you know, Boston College would be a decent fit in the Big Ten, but like they're not elite in really basketball or football, the two main sports that make the money. So I don't know. I just, I agree with you, Wally. I do think we need to make, I mean, we've got to get something going here ASAP. Think of, just think about the recruiting advantage that if the SEC, if they get to 16, 18, 20 teams and, you know, Big Ten still sitting at you know, 12 and ACC's got their conference still, man, it would, it would just be really hard to sell to recruit. Like, hey, come to the Big Ten where, let's say, Ohio State will we'll run through the East and win the Big Ten championship and then run into whoever comes out of the SEC. Or you could say, hey, you know, you can come to the Oklahoma or Texas, play in the SEC, play against the best competition week in and week out. We'll develop you, and you'll have a shot to win a national championship. Like, that's that's recruiting advantage SEC all, all day, in my opinion. I think as a collective whole, as a conference, it's a major advantage. I think you might you'd see teams like Ohio State survive purely on brand recognition alone. But if you want to talk about losing parity in the situation you just gave, I think the gap even widens more in the Big Ten. And even as a Buckeye fan, like that's not like good for college football. You still want I like the super conference idea. If you have two genuine super conferences, I think that actually could make the playing field more level than we've seen in the last 10, 15 years. It's just the Big Ten can't screw it up because if they do, you're right. The SEC, if we thought we were used to seeing them dominate, it's going to get to an unhealthy level. Hayden, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are before we throw yeah. it over. Just a, a, a question to think about. Let's say somebody like Quinn Ewers is in the class of 2026. Is he going to pick Texas over Ohio State because Texas is in the SEC now? I don't think it's going to impact Ohio State recruiting. It might minimally, but like not very much. Maybe the rest of the conference it will, but I don't think it's going to impact all. I think Ohio State's brand is so strong that even Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC isn't going to impact their recruiting. It's not going to fall off a cliff. See, I, I disagree because Ohio State is having so much success in Texas, Florida, southern states, and I think that diminishes a little bit when you get schools like Oklahoma and Texas start going into Florida, Georgia, because they can really sell to these kids, hey, we play in this conference too, we play at the highest level, etc. I do think it would hurt Ohio State's overall recruiting, but as far as running the Big Ten, no, I, I don't really think it affects Ohio State in that level. But again, like I've mentioned throughout many episodes of this show, Ohio State's expectations should shift now to national championship. No longer should it be win the Big Ten. That's coming cake every single year. Start comparing yourself to the Alabamas, the LSU of you know 2019, the Clemsons, those kind of schools. And, and when you look at it from that perspective, just from Ohio State alone, I think that they would be at a disadvantage if the Big Ten does nothing. I really think... And I understand Texas and, and the money that's involved with Texas, but it's funny that Texas is going to the SEC when they can't even win the damn Big 12, and they're not particularly close to winning the, the Big 12. It could be ugly for Texas, I think, going to the SEC. I don't. It's oh. going to be – the record is going to be worse, 
But I understand, like, the financials of it. I understand how it makes sense. But, like, football-wise, I and maybe over the years they will – they still recruit at a high level now, which is the thing that's in, crazy about Texas. And same thing with Oklahoma. Oklahoma's not going to win the SEC. You could, they could go every year and win the Big 12, but they're not going to win the SEC. So I understand the finances of it, but, like, on the field, like – just as odd to me. It is sort of odd from Oklahoma's perspective because they're in a kind of the same situation Ohio State is, in my opinion, where they're kind of running the conference right now. And I agree with you on Texas, perhaps not even playing to the standard that they've been playing at recently. But I, I think the overall trajectory of Texas football is going to be higher if they're in the SEC because they're going to get kids – I think they get more kids to stay in Texas because they're in the SEC. They won't have, you know, Quinn Ewers type players leaving to go to Ohio State. In my, in my opinion, I could be wrong. I think that that is something that they consider because obviously from a football perspective right now, it doesn't make much sense for Texas to go to the SEC because you're right. They can't even win the Big 12. And then I think whatever the SEC was selling to Texas, they were selling it to Oklahoma too because – Really, there's no reason why Oklahoma would want to leave the Big 12. They get into the playoff almost every year. They win the conference. They get a Heisman Trophy candidate and quarterback. I just think that they know what they're doing, and they want to be doing it if they didn't think that it would lead to a lot of success on the field and recruiting-wise later when they join. Speaking of Quinn Ewers, he is actually weighing foregoing his senior season of high school to enroll early, I think early August, Hayden, I want to say it was like August 3rd, August 5th, something like that, in a large factor that... Next week? Yeah, it's like it would be like a quick turnaround here. But a large factor of this is his ability to make money now through NILs and his inability to make money through the intercollegiate or interscholastic high school uh, stuff down there in Texas. I'm not sure how the rules work there. I guess I want to know what your guys' thoughts were because all of a sudden now, this means he'd be eligible in the NFL draft in 2024 instead of 2025, and you would imagine he won't be playing this season coming in so late. So there's a lot of ways that you can feel about this. I, I guess we'll go to Hayden, you first, since you're Mr. Diehard Homer Buckeye. So what was your takeaway when you heard this news? Look, I, I'm if if this dude can really get a seven-figure anything with nil. Dude got to do what the dude got to do. You know, if you're a senior in high school and you have a potential to make a million dollars, probably going to take it. I feel bad for somebody like Kyle McCord. I think he's going to get the short end of the stick. If this, if this kid is everything that people say he is, I feel bad for him. But... If the dude can make that much money, I I think he has to has to run with it. Now, I have also I've been reading kind of a lot on this, um, as you can imagine. And one of the theories that someone was floating was that the Ewers family leaked this to a national. I think uh, does he work for sport? It doesn't matter. Uh, I I forget who he works for, but that this was like trying to twist Texas the state of Texas into allowing high school players to maybe 
change the law and allow them to capitalize on their name. And I don't know if that's going to happen. It seems like a very short window, but there was, that was a theory that I read that their family was trying to do that. Either way, he has to make a decision quick. I mean, it's coming really soon. So uh, whatever he does, I don't think he can really go wrong either way. Kind of a win-win for him, I guess. I can't fault the dude if he can come, come here in five days and, you know, make a million dollars off of his name, image, and likeness. And, you know, I'm all for it. But first off, from a football perspective, I don't think it impacts Ohio State at all this year. I think this dude could be, you know, the second coming of Trevor Lawrence, and I still don't think he would win the job in, you know, a month being on campus. Secondly, I think this could have a massive impact on, you know, high school kids. If he, like him even considering it, means that it's an option and I think it could have an impact on the high school kids you know in future classes with oh hey you know I want to go I want to go to Ohio State early let me try to graduate a year early blah 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 so that could be a major impact and then that in my opinion impacts recruiting for coaches a, a ton you know if you think you're recruiting a 2023 kid and then all of a sudden he's 2022 I think that that makes that a lot more difficult in my opinion, but I, I think the kid, you know, probably has some insight and advice. I don't think he would be doing this for a headline or anything, but it, it'll be very interesting to see the fallout from all of this. It's one of those things that in a vacuum, if I could promise him that he wasn't going to get hurt in a high school season and the money was going to be there no matter what happened tomorrow, I would say, hey, you know what? Enjoy your senior year. It's like, you know how special even in high school, no matter how good the guys are, you only get a couple years of that in your entire life. You're with your family. Eventually, you have to leave the nest. And leaving early, as great as that is, and the money, that's awesome. You do, I guess, from a human element, you do feel bad he's going to have to miss out on a very special year with his family and teammates. But it's not a vacuum. He could get hurt in a season if he went back this year, take the money now. There's no blaming him whatsoever. You gotta look out for yourself. It's what what uh Marshawn Lynn says, protect your chickens, protect your mentals. That's what it is here. Take care of yourself first. And then that you're going to also have the benefit here. I think Hayden, you and I were texting last night. You have Marathi that you're gonna have a full year of this strength program. You're gonna have a full year with the the this coaching staff with the playbook. You're probably gonna be red shirted. And it is a bummer for McCord. It's a bummer for Miller. One of these guys you imagine is inevitably going to transfer. You can't have four guys like that on one roster. Just doesn't make sense. But it's the way of the world now. It's the way of college football where we're at. I can't blame him either way, but selfishly as a Buckeye fan, it would be cool to know you get him for an extra year. But at the end of the day, there's a million dollars in front of me to miss high school season. Hand up, I'm gone. Like, no questions asked. But this is actually a good transition here. You got a guy that just, what, 2022, all of a sudden might be 2021 guy here. Let's go into a recruiting update with Casey and Hayden here. Whichever one of you guys want to start it off for us, let us know what happened this last week, fellas. Yes, sir. Not too many commits this week, but the commits that did commit to our Big Ten schools were actually all all pretty highly rated Starting off with Penn State, they got a high four-star defensive lineman, 
Danny Dennis Sutton out of Maryland. They also got a four-star corner, Cam Miller out of Florida. And they got four-star safety, Christian Driver, son of Donald Driver. Is he in the Hall of Fame, Hayden? Donald Driver? NFL Hall of Fame? Ooh, let me get back to you. Yeah, that's a great question. Anyway, Driver is out of Texas. Um, Interesting get there for Penn State. They typically, I, I mean, in recent memory, they don't go into Texas very much. Um, Indiana got a four-star running back, Jabrain Payne out of Ohio. This one will make you feel old. Michigan State got four-star wide receiver Antonio Gates Jr. out of Michigan. And then Purdue got four-star defensive lineman Joe Strickland out of Indiana. That was a really good get for Purdue. Uh, that, that dude had some really big offers on on his, uh, I guess, on his sheet. Hayden, did you find out Donald Driver was a Hall of Famer? Yeah, he is not in the Hall of Fame. He was nominated. He is not in it. But he is in the Packers Hall of Fame. All-time leading receiver in Packers history. Wow. So he he was a bum. Anyway, that, that wraps up the, the Big Ten football recruits or commits this week. We did have a pretty big basketball commit, though. Ohio State got four-star center Felix Akpara. I might have might have botched that name. Out of Tennessee, yeah, I think he was ranked like 47th overall. So that was a really big get for Ohio State, who has the number one recruiting class in the nation for the 2022 basketball class. Now, take that with a grain of salt. They do have four commits, and I think the next – Highest is three, but they are are all pretty highly rated recruits. We we did have a couple noticeable decommits today. Michigan lost defensive lineman Devontae Miles out of Michigan. I th- I think he's going to be trending more Michigan State here. Not not a not a big time recruit or anything. I think he's in ranked in the nine hundreds or whatever. But still, when you lose an in state guy to what looks to be your in state rival. Never really a good thing. And then Ohio State did lose the tight end commit. Ben, it, what, how do you say that? What was his last name, Hayden? Benji Gosnell. Yeah, not really a big deal either. You know, he was a four-star tight end, but Ohio State does have a tight end in that class. I believe a kid from, from Georgia. Yeah, so there are a lot of big crystal balls that I've seen in the past week too, basketball and football-wise, but I won't go through those. That'll wrap up this week's recruiting basketball and football in the Big Ten, baby. Great stuff as always on that recruiting corner there with Casey and Hayden. Appreciate that, fellas. But let's just jump into our Ask CHW segment now. Russell Wilson can hoop, man. Yeah, I I was just like, dude, he's kind of short. But yeah, whatever, I guess. That's cool. Our first question this week comes in from Richie Bakes. We really appreciate it. He wants to know the one player or coach in Big Ten history. I'm taking this as football or basketball you rooted against most. Hayden, I know you said earlier that you had yours already locked and loaded. I want to hear it right now. This is probably huge recency bias, but I absolutely cannot stand this guy. He He's actually a current Big Ten basketball coach. Fran McCaffrey. I absolutely hate that guy. Oh, he seems like the guess. biggest asshole of all time. He seems like the biggest ass of all time, man. I, I can't stand that guy. I hope they lose every game. Wow, that's a good reason. All right, Casey, you got, do you have one off the top of your head right now? Because I'm like racking my brain between Michigan and Wisconsin right now. Yeah, man. Uh, I, to be honest, the 
player that first came to mind was Aaron Kraft. Just, you know, four-year player. He was a rascal on defense. Just seemed like he was there for longer than four years. So player-wise, I would say Aaron Kraft uh, came to mind. Although those games that Michigan and Ohio State played while he was there, they were some epic games. There were some really good games. Man, coach. I, I'm going to have to think on the coach while I'll throw it back over to you to see if you have yours yet while I think about who my coach is. All right, I'll do a one-two punch. I can't believe it just hit me while you were talking. My friends from Northeast Ohio probably would have fought me over it if I didn't say it. But I completely forgot. My least favorite player ever is Connor Cook. We went to high school with him. You want to talk about an arrogant piece of garbage. Just a, I could not stand the guy. Had this air of arrogance around him where he walked through the halls. You could say, hey, what's up? And he just looks at you like you're the scum of the earth because he's that guy. So I couldn't stand him. And then go figure, he beats us in that 2013 Big Ten Championship game. And then he gets hurt in a 24 or 15. It was 2015 year, right? Where the third string guy comes in because Connor Cook was out. Whatever. Either way, Connor Cook, I couldn't stand the guy. I guess as a coach... The coach I rooted against most would probably be Lloyd Carr. And it was simply because I was getting into football in that 2000, 2001 era. And Lloyd Carr had had at that point considerable success until the Jim Tressel era. And I still remember 2003. It's crazy to think it's been like 18 years now. But I mean, that was the last like really good Ohio State team to lose to a really good Michigan team because that. Obviously, in 2011, it was kind of a tough year for Ohio State. They had that uh, Tattoo Gate scandal and went on to be 6-7 and seven after a bowl loss. But yeah, it was uh, it was just one of those things. You grew up in a household to hate Michigan, and they're beating you at that time still. So naturally, I hated Lloyd Carr as well. But Casey, if you have your other one, feel free to go now. But otherwise, we have a really fun second question here as well for you guys. Yeah, you know, the the old Michigan fan in me... Is probably going to say, I mean, I, I don't know how I could, like, Trestle was such a such an old, little, little calm dude for the most part. Like, so I, I'm probably going to have to go with Urban, if I'm going to be honest with you. Well, did you see, Alex did actually ask a question. Someone sent that on Twitter. I don't know who just sent it. I did. Yeah, he did ask a question. I put it on the rundown so you can... Look at oh, yeah, I don't answer. have the rundown in front of me, Hayden. Feel free to oh. throw us the question right here. here. Here's the question from Alex Pussel. Always consistent, consistent question asker in the CHW segment. Which Olympic sport could you possibly meddle in? Which sport would be your worst? All right, I'll, I'll go because I did see that on Twitter. I think the one that I could possibly meddle in, it would probably be basketball. I'll just sit in the corner and splash threes and guard their worst def- or guard their worst offensive player. And then my worst would definitely have to be anything that has to do with endurance because I am out of shape and I would probably have a heart attack if I ran more than, I don't know, three quarters of a mile right now. So here's mine. Poss- the one we could possibly meddle in. I think the three of us could win a three-on-three basketball tournament. <laughs> that, that's the one I'm going with. The, 
They added that. Have you been watching that on the Olympics? They've added yeah, three on three basketball. It's it? actually pretty entertaining. And aren't you able to like knock the ball off the rim and stuff like that, where it's not goaltending? And I, there's like weird rules with the three on three. Yeah, I'm pretty sure as long as it's like not inside the the rim, but like just on, like if it's like resting kind of on top, you can bat it away real quick. Yeah, and then of course it's awesome for me and Wally because it's only half court, so we don't have to run the full length of the court. So I think we would definitely medal in that. Well, I was and just gonna say one, we're we're not jump we're not jumping up there and knocking the ball out. Is it a ten foot rim? Because there ain't any one of us that's knocking that ball out. <laughs> We'll, we'll just put you on my shoulders, and then you can kind of tap it out as it's up there. Anyway, my the worst one that I, I could possibly even try would be the gymnastics. Could you imagine doing the gymnastics, dude? I would literally break every single bone in my body, and I would die right on live TV. That would be absolutely brutal. Gosh, this is so hard because we're – like. Alex, we were talking bad on you here right before your question because we didn't realize that you asked one and we we just found it. So we are unprepared. You're getting the actual live reaction here. I listened to a podcast the other day and part of my take and they asked a similar question to this. So I feel guilty because their answer for the most easy gymnastics or, or most easy Olympic sport you can do, I think you got to go with either sailing or like archery because... That's something that I don't have to be in great shape for. So if I spent four straight years trying to get good at it, there's at least a feasible path for me to do there. Where like you mentioned in the basketball, they I could be in the corner splashing threes. That's great and all that. I can, you throw a person I'm supposed to defend. They're just going to give that guy the ball the entire time. And that team's going to beat us by 80 points. So for me though, my hardest sport, Man, it's so fun to watch like Katie Ledecky and these amazing swimmers, but the 1500 freestyle, I like died watching them. That's like a mile swim. I can't imagine like jogging a mile at this point in time, let alone swimming it. I I think you could literally give me 10 of the 15 lengths of the pool head start, and I still think that I lose to Katie Ledecky. But thank you again, Alex. That was a great question, as always. We're very used to that from you. But then Justin Stoner, another regular question guy here for us. He actually had a really good idea. We're looking forward to this quite a bit, even though I'm going to be woefully bad at this. He wanted us to draft our starting five and a bench player out of the upcoming Big Ten basketball team's roster. So we're just basically putting together five or six players, however we want to construct it, we're going to do our random generator right now for our picks. This is great podcasting. Everybody can see. All right. So anyways, Hayden and Casey, you'll be able to have to trust me here. It says one through three. All right. I'm going to do my, you have to just take my word for it. That looks terrible. Yeah, I see it. Sweet. First pick. Oh, we probably need numbers each. Wouldn't that be helpful? Casey, you'll be a one. I'll be three. You want to be three? I'll be a two. Right. I wanted to be two. Hold on. Run run the number, and I'll tell you which one I wanted to be. That's perfect. First one was a three. That was Hayden. Bullshit. What the? Let's go. Let's go. Oh, my gosh. And then our second one is a one, which was you, Casey. Uh, so I'm going third uh, here. Is this a snake uh, draft? It yes, is a snake draft. That sucks draft. for you, All buddy. 
All right. Well, start? I was going to say. Let's get this show on the road. Without further ado, Hayden, you're on the clock. All right. This is the easiest pick ever. Ready? With the number one pick in the 2021 Big Ten current basketball draft, Team Ramsey is selecting Hunter Dickinson from the team up north. You dick. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, with the second pick in the 2021 Big Ten basketball draft team, Casey selects Kofi Coburn out of Illinois. This was the brutal part of having to pick third here. I knew that those oh, two big fellas were going to be off the board. Exactly, dude. I, I needed top two. I needed top two. The rest will fill itself out. But with the two big guys really expected to dominate next year, um, I mean, they, they had to go one and two. Well, gosh, and I know this is stupid drafting, but again, I'm, I was this was put together right before we did this. So I'm just going with basically my third center here, even though I know you guys don't have a need to take him, but I can't help myself. You got to go with Trevion Williams. He's gotten better each year. I thought there was a chance that he was going to be like stick to his early entry into the NBA draft. I'm pretty happy he is back. It'll be fun to watch him. And do you guys, what's the, I think it's an Ivy, that freshman that was nine and a half feet tall last year that played like six minutes a game. It's going to be fun to have that one, two with yeah. him. Well, that, that's a, that's like the pick you had. To, you have to make that pick to have any yeah. chance of guarding either one of those two. So yeah, not not the not the most uh, attractive, but it's the most necessary. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I don't think his true position is center, but he's about the biggest guy that can handle either one of them too. So yeah, he's listed at six ten, so he's probably six nine. But still, even so, he's a big, strong body. And what I I want to say in that Big Ten tournament when he played Ohio State, when Ohio State jumped up big, he dominated to get Purdue back in that game and. Thank God that game wasn't a couple minutes longer because Purdue would have beat Ohio State that night. But anyways, oh my gosh, this is where the real question is. Do you go with the youth? Do you go with one of these Michigan incoming freshmen here that you know are going to be an immediate impact guy? Or do you stick around and you go with one of the veterans? I can't help myself. I'm going with the highest rated recruit coming into the season this year. I'm going to take one of the Michigan guys from Casey now too. I'm taking Caleb Houston here. Dang it. Dang it, dang it, dang it. So perfect. Well, Wally, that was a fantastic pick. That was a fantastic pick. He was my number three guy on my board. Dang it. He, he's going to be really good for Michigan. If, if he doesn't score in all three phases of the game, he's definitely going to be a three-point shooter. But with, with my second pick, <laughs> as much as I want to take Hayden's boy, Andre Corbello, I, I – you know, I had to take the guy that I had number two, and that's Trace Jackson Davis out of Indiana. He was one of the most highly productive scorers in the Big Ten, as well as rebounds. And I believe I, I, he might have averaged around, I, I might be mistaken, but three or four assists a game too. So to have him sitting here at five for me is uh, really, really nice. Steal the draft. That's a great pick. It really is. He's a great two-way player. Good job, Casey. Hayden. Wrap it around that's, the snake here, man. That's that's really a bummer because that was who I was who I was targeting with my next pick. Fortunately for me, I have a, a good backup to that, and that's the hometown boy EJ Liddell. T- taking him with my 
with my second pick. And then third, I think I have to go guard here. And you already know who I'm going to take. I'm going to take Corbello, my guy from Illinois. So take those two. And we're back to Casey. Man, I had obviously had Corbello on there um, as well. But I think that I'm going to go. Man, I think I'm going to go guard as well, and I'm going to go Eric Ayala out of Maryland. He was a pretty good point guard for him last year, had a decent points per game, so that's going to be my starting point guard. Man, that's frustrating. He was on that short list here because, again, we're all taking the same path here, but I got to go guard, but it sucks. I'm right after you guys. I'm actually going to go with the guy here, great free throw shooter, 39-plus percent from three last year. Plus, he's 118 years old. We got to go with Iowa. We're going Jordan Bohannon. And that's assuming he's alive these days. And that's got to be that pick there. Again, you get a little experience here after that incoming freshman pick. Then I know this one's not going to be probably the flashiest pick. Oh, man, do I want to go there? I'm going to do it. A guy that I felt like was really important to Illinois last year. Might not have necessarily been the flashiest guy with... You, you don't want it. He's already regretting it, too. I can't help myself. I'm taking Trent Fraser. I got a second guard here. I had to go back-to-back. So now, all of a sudden, we're looking at Fraser. We're looking at Houston. We're looking at Williams. And then Bohannon so far with two picks left for me. Hey, Casey, your fourth pick, buddy. Dang it, dang it, dang it, dang it. Frazier was going to be gonna be my next one. I'm going to go with a relatively safe pick here, I think. This guy was very productive last year at Ohio State. I think he's a great two-way player, great size, and I think this year he'll he'll kind of play more of a a position that is suited for him, and that's Justice Suing from Ohio State. I think that I'm going to have him as my starting small forward, and I think he is going to do an excellent job. Good pick, good pick. Sorry, I'm I'm marking on my sheet. I have a big list that I made out of all the players that I have. So as we go, I'm crossing out guys that you guys are taking. I actually have a list of who you guys picked as well. So right now I have Dickinson as my center, Liddell as a forward, and Curbeo as a guard. Curbello, Curbeo, whatever, as a guard. So I need another forward. And this guy, I didn't realize, I was looking up uh, his stats last year. And I didn't realize that they were uh, – he scored as much as he did. Aaron Henry from Michigan State. Is he coming so, back? Wait, he, yeah, I think he he's to going the to the draft. Pretty, I thought he stayed in. Maybe – did he withdraw? I thought he came back. I thought I, I thought I read that he came back. Did he not? If he didn't, then obviously I have to change it. But I, I thought he declared and, and stayed in. But yeah, I think he stayed too, but I'm on 100%. Oh, if he did, then that sucks. That really sucks. I thought I read that he came back. Unbelievable. He should have to still use Wow, that I'm totally... Pick. He has to play with four guys on the floor. I'm wow, t- yeah, that's... No, I didn't submit it. That's a I didn't pick. submit it yet. No, 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 no. I didn't <laughs> submit awesome. it yet. That's fine. We'll improvise here. Okay, I still need well, you size. Have, you got back-to-back right now, so... I have back-to-back. So let me go, let me go with my other pick here, who is a guard... I'm going to go with, Wally mentioned him earlier, Jaden Ivey. He kind of turned it on later in the season. And fun fact, his mom, I think, was in the WNBA. I think I'm pretty sure. And she might be a coach somewhere now. 
So go ahead, start the timer. Give me my five minutes. I gotta, I gotta think of my forward pick here because I. Oh totally my goodness! That. This is some great radio right here. <laughs> I was gonna say we're gonna have to get that what NFL draft sound. I'm gonna have to put that in before the first pick. Do 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 do. I got it for us. Yeah. Well, hey, while we're killing some time here, Wally, the draft is tonight. Do you plan on watching it? I'm not a big NBA guy. I think most people know that about me. It's a, it's a sport I'll watch in the postseason typically, but it really doesn't attract too much of my time. Like, ironically, the pick is in. The pick is in. Oh, go figure. It's like, and I don't know why. I don't know why I, I didn't think of this earlier. And this pick is not flashy. He's not the most offensively gifted player, but he's a hustle player, and he plays his heart out, and that's Kyle Young. I'm going to draft him as my other forward. Locker room guy. Wow, your, t- your team sucks, Aiden. <laughs> it's like All a right, so of I last guess, week. I guess it's on him. giving it to him now. Yeah, my goodness. So I, I need a starting shooting guard and, and then a, a bench guy. See, my, my two shooting guards that I have left since Wally took Trent Frazier are two young guys. And, I, and I'll even go ahead and give you the names because I'm not going to. Max Christie, five-star out of, you know, from Michigan State. And then Bryce McGowan's five-star from Nebraska. So weighing my thoughts here, I think Bryce McGowan scores more because he's on a worse team. But I think Max Christie can make a really big impact on Michigan State and them having success in the future. But this isn't a draft based on team stats and success. So I'm going Bryce McGowan's all day from Nebraska. Man, that's brutal. I As soon as you started, they have them right next to each other here. Bryce McGowan and Max Christie. So you were right in my brain there, Casey. So one of those guys, well, now I guess we know which guy. I'm going to take Max Christie. Ironically, I think he's going to end up being the bench guy here because I'm, I'm trying to figure out who all I've drafted so far. i got to make sure I have positions everywhere. So I have Caleb Houston. I could probably get away with playing him as a three. Then I have Jordan Bohan. I could play as a one. Trevian Williams is a five. And then, oh, yeah, and then, of course, we have Trent Fraser, who I can get away with a two if I need to. I need a big forward. I'm going youth again. I'm going to go right back to the well. I'm going to have three true freshmen on my team of six. I'm taking your other Michigan boy here, Casey. I'm taking Musa Diabate. And that I, it's young. It's youth. I'm going to have a lot of it there, but I need the size to counteract you guys. And if he's coming in at 6'10", I'm able to at least have short periods where I can rotate him with Trevion Williams to try to at least compete with your guys' bigs. So I have to go real big, even though it's probably a bit of a reach. But anyways, Casey, your final pick and your bench player here. Wow. Wow. So Diabate is not a guy that scores very much. I need um, just size, man. So, so yeah, may, maybe you're going to plug him in and try to guard Kofi. I don't know. But, I, you know, I can't believe this guy is still on the board right now. So my sixth man is going to be Ron Harper Jr. from Rutgers. Averaged 15 points a game last year, six rebounds. What made you decide him? Scoring machine. I was going to say, what was your decision over Baker and Harper? Because that was two guys I was also looking at earlier. Yeah, so it, it, 
if I am if I'm correct here in my thoughts, Ron Harper he he averaged more points. He's bigger. That's that's what it was. Ron Harper's bigger. He can play two through four basically if you if you really wanted to. While Geo is you know six foot four, um, Harper is. Let me look real quick. It's loading. 66245 so you know you I, I i mean garden against your travion williams no nah, no nah, never mind he'd get bullied but he's a big guy big guy can play 2 through 4 and can score so that's what attracted me to him concluding the draft i'm going to go with geo baker put it in sharpie i think we're done i think that's it right everybody got 6 yeah we were bad about yep. putting something up last week but we'll have to find a way I'll have to make a graphic or something where we can put our teams up and try to get opinions because Casey said my team was bad. I don't think it's that bad. The Kyle Young pick was was a reach, but that's only because I got caught in the heat of the moment. Everybody else I feel good about. I I knew I was in trouble with size early, so that was the reason I reached, but that was a brutal yeah. reach. That's that I mean that's the only problem with getting the third pick in this draft was that there's only two main two prominent big guys. So you kind of got the short end there, but overall, your team's not bad either, Wally. Nah, well, Wally, I don't think your team is terrible. Hayden, I don't. I who's your who's your shooting guard? Who's your starting shooting guard? Forget who you drafted. Jaden Ivy. Yeah, that that boy can't shoot. I don't think he's allergic to the three point line. Ah, uh, uh, I, I mean, you, you're you should have drafted Kofi and left Dickinson with me if you were going to go the defensive route, man. Uh, is this a draft night trade? I'll propose Co- Kofi for Hunter Dickinson. Absolutely not. This was one of my favorite questions we've gotten here, though. So thank you very much, Justin. This was a lot of fun. I hope that you guys enjoyed man, it, too. Man, I can't wait until our football draft. <laughs> that's going to be that's gonna be a good one. We'd have to take like a whole entire episode. We'd have literally what four layers deep because we'd be drafting special teams and everything that'd be fun oh dude that would yeah that would literally be our whole episode yes that would take us two hours no question about it oh and in a way we kind of go back and forth it might take longer than two hours too it'd be the real nfl draft it's a whole night project yeah fair yeah fair enough but that's gonna bring us to the end of another edition of pigskins and nylon we'll be back next week on august 5th We'll check back in on the recruiting trail, and we'll have a new edition and one of our last ones of the Big Ten Big Five before the regular season starts. Not far away, guys. Only about a month. Make sure you submit your Ask CHW questions like Richie, Alex, and Justin. We appreciate all you guys. We'll accept those questions with the hashtag AskCHW on Twitter. We'll also tag us there on Facebook or Instagram, and we'll make sure to answer those for you. Make sure to follow us there on Twitter at P and N pod, Facebook at P and N pod and Instagram also at P and N pod. Otherwise, fellas, do we have any final thoughts today? This feels really nice to come out with a massive draft victory after you guys were giving me so much crap the other, the other time. So that's my final thought. Yeah, your top two are, are good, but your bottom bottom four are unproven. Um, my final thought is if you are a high school kid who is super highly rated and being recruited at a high level and you have a chance that you can reclassify 
take the money and do it. That you don't want to risk that injury or anything that could happen for the money to not be there anymore. You have the opportunity to take the money and go. It's crazy how you kind of built me up for what I was going to say is my final thought. I was kind of bummed out to hear that Jake Butt retired from the NFL. He obviously never got his feet under him at that level after that knee injury and that final bowl game for him. What it comes down to, like you were saying, Hayden, look out for yourself first and foremost. Take the money if it's there. You never know what can happen tomorrow. So yeah, good on Quinn if he does decide to go to Ohio State. If he doesn't, hey, it's the right decision for him. But yeah, just obviously wanted to bring up Jake's, Jake Butt's retirement because he was a very outstanding tight end with the University of Michigan. But otherwise, that's it, fellas. Oh, go ahead, I got, Casey. I got, I got one last thing. Hayden, you said that outside of my top two, they're unproven. Can you explain how? I have one freshman. My, my starting point guard averaged 15 points a game last year. My starting small forward averaged 10 points a game last year. And my sixth man averaged 15 points a game last year. How is that unproven? Blah, 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 blah. Adios, people. Meanwhile, I'm John yeah, Calipari. Big dub. <laughs> I was going to say, I have a bunch of one and dones. I'm going to have like five freshmen on my team at the end of this. But thank you for listening, guys. We'll see you back here next Thursday for episode 15 of Big Skin to Nylon.